Welcome to the Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your solo host. Once again, today, Matt Considine, the professor, is not with us. So if you showed up expecting some scientific fun facts or some deep psychology research, you're not getting that from me today. Um, what you're going to get, though, is a hell of a conversation with a dear friend, member of New Club, and very talented chef, David Posey is coming on the show today. I've wanted to have him on the show for quite a while. So it's very exciting to have uh, David joining us because he's going to be the um, um, the host for our winter formal at his restaurant, Elsk, along with his wife, Anna. They own and operate. Uh, we were there last year for our Chicago chapter doing our winter formal. So it's, it's always a blast. Looking forward to our chat with David. Other things amongst our new club community, I got to share. Uh, we have some winter formals coming up in Atlanta. We have a club championship coming up in Atlanta. Chicago, the weather's turning. I know it's going to get ugly, but we're still going to attempt to get out there. The honeypot is September, or sorry, Sunday, November 12th. And uh, as I mentioned, our winter formal, our year-end celebration is headed to Elsk at the end of the month, November 16th. Uh, national members, whole lot to look forward to next year with our fixtures. Winter meeting is headed to California. Spring meeting back at Sweetens Cove. Summer medal is up at Sand Valley in Wisconsin. And our Fall Founders Cup is at South Carolina, the golf courses of Mike Strantz. So there's a whole bunch on the national itinerary. And if you're not a member of New Club and you listen to this podcast, I, I thank you. Thanks for being here. We, we love having you. But what are you doing? You know, start playing your happiest, healthiest, heartfelt golf. Apply to New Club and newclub.golf. Uh, today's episode is brought to us from our friends at Titleist. Titleist, they do it a little differently. Their approach to fitting is built on three dimensions, distance control, dispersion control, and descent angle. Finding the optimal balance of all three treats you to a whole new level of approach consistency. So whether it's the T100, which is made for better players looking for precision, control, and feel, or it's the T150s for the player who wants the same precision and the feel of a T100, but a little bit of increased speed and some distance, as well as forgiveness, uh, T250s are for them. And then the T200s, those are for the player who's really looking for some added distance, but doesn't want to sacrifice a look, feel, or their trajectory. So the new family of T-Series, I went through the fitting. Uh, it's an awesome experience in itself. And one thing I learned was 80% of tour pros end up with a blended set of those three series of the T-Series the irons. I did not. I ended up with all T-100s. I was kind of bummed. I was expecting that I'd have a mix, mix match of, of all of them, but, uh, but I don't. And I do love my new T-100 T-Series irons. So check them out at Titleist.com. Thank you, Titleist, for sponsoring today's show. So without the professor, without further ado... Let's get to it. David Posey, welcome hey, to the bag drop. How's it going? Good, man. How are you doing? Great to see you. We've been talking about this for a long time. Dude, are, are we? It's multiple years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a years, tough yeah. booking. You're a tough booking. I think I pretended like I had a booking agent for a while and that that might help get you on the show to make you think it was a bigger, you know, audience. Just thanks for being here. That's all I can say. Uh-oh. Froze. Sorry, you froze for a minute. Just thanks for being here. That's that's what I really oh, want to say. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm, I'm excited. A year ago today, my friend, do you remember where we were? Right or almost to the day? I'm I'm guessing, was it Bandon Dunes? 
It was Bandon Dunes. You know specifically where my head is going at Bandon Dunes? Is there a course uh, or a round was, that might stand out to you? Yeah, I think it was when I, I smoked you at Bandon Trails, I think. I, I wanted to give you that right off the top of the show, buddy. Is that... <laughs> I, it doesn't happen often, all right? I don't lay over yeah. like that. Uh, I, the funny, Here's the thing about this match, and it sticks with me. I, this is very sincere. Not just because you're on the show. I say this to people when they ask about, you know, great matches. New Club is so uh, match play centric. I reflect yeah. on the match with you because here's why. I was hitting it pretty good off the tee, like smoking the ball. And and you're no slouch. You, you, you're, you're not short by any stretch the imagination, no. but we were playing the same tee and, and we had this head to head match, you and I, uh, singles matches, band and trails, and, and I'm consistently out driving you by 50 yards and, and I'm in the yeah. center of most fairways and you were just back there of wit. And I just remember every single hole walking with my caddy, great caddy. We had an awesome time, but we'd start to talk about our shot. And as we're talking about our approach shot into the green, you know, pitch and wedge 140, probably want to leave it left of the hole here. I see your ball. I'm not even watching you, but I see your ball come in from wherever. Your average proximity to the hole that day was like 12 feet. You were looking yeah. at birdie every single hole, and it was the most frustrating thing. And, and David, I'm serious. The, I thought about our match because uh, the Ryder Cup was on, and I'm like, people don't, I don't think, give enough credit to the fact that if you're the first into the hole, that is such an advantage uh, psychologically. To, sure. to leave that guy thinking about, oh, shit, if I don't hit this on the green. And I missed so many greens that day. So is that how you remember it? Because it haunts me. It haunts me to this day. Yeah, sorry. I got, I got some wonky. Uh, it, like, you keep on just freezing. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah. That's all right. I can, we, can, we can clean it up. We can keep going. Okay. Yeah. But that, that round haunts me. Is that how you remember it? <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I was just like on a heater and it's just, I, my recoveries that day, like if, like, I think it was 16, I had my worst drive of the day and I was like 200 out and I hit a four iron uphill and I landed like eight feet. And I just remember hearing you talk to your caddy going, is that Posey? And he's like, yeah. And it's just like that, that's the whole day. And then like, you know, if I popped on a hole, I would, I would make the putt to, you know, be like four for three or whatever. And it was just, it was one of those rounds where it was in my favor, you know, so. You played, you played. And it was my career low, so. Exactly. You didn't just beat the net point for the Founders Cup uh, to yeah. get your team, you know, ahead. Yeah. You, you beat me uh, gross that day. And that, I, I, think, yeah. I, I think you kindly pointed that out as we're sharing a beverage after the round. <laughs> but yeah. uh but no man it's it's um those are good memories you're uh yeah. you're a good friend and a, and a great golfer and a great chef and so i've wanted to have you on for so many different reasons i guess uh one, one area i wanted to start in is just catching up on life i know you got a new child you're now with two so how's that all going? uh it's great both both of them are just precious little angels and they're super sweet uh henry our oldest is a little over two. Um, so when we had our second one, Henry's so great. When we had our second one, we thought he was going to be a little hell child and he's even sweeter than Henry. Uh, so we, we lucked out. I think we're going to stop because <laughs> I don't want to push my luck anymore. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, they're, they're both great. And we moved up to Highland Park. So no longer downtown above the restaurant uh, where we used to live. So we moved about 30 miles north of the city. Um, lots of great golf up there. Uh, that's it. We're, we're loving the suburb life. I, I'm curious with, I feel like all, everyone I talk to that has kids, someone in the house is the, the cook. And you guys have two Michelin star chefs in the same house. So between you and Anna, who's doing the majority of like feeding the children, putting the food on the table? Oh, that's, that's Anna a hundred percent. She, uh, she's not really at the restaurant as much anymore. So she takes care of parental duties and I take care of business duties. So I'll, I'll cook for them every now and then. And it's a very humbling experience to have my kid not love my buttered noodles or whatever. And, I'm, I'm, we have a lot of kids that actually come to the restaurant, so I make buttered noodles constantly, and they, they all love them. So for Henry to, to not like my buttered noodles kind of hurts, but it's okay. I, I have to imagine um, that being a chef at the restaurant and cooking for the general public and your guests that come in every night is a little different than feeding the two at, at, at home it, or is it, is there, is it like when you go home to cook and even if you're cooking for yourself, is it just like, yeah, mac and cheese and, and, and like just simple or, or are you actually trying to put on the table, like stuff that you mess around to see what you want to do in the restaurant? Uh, you know, it used to be that way. And now I'm kind of going the opposite. And, you know, I, I used to cook these big elaborate meals for myself and Anna before we had the kids and I, I really loved cooking at home and I still enjoy cooking at home, but now the, the focus is kind of shift to like really quick and healthy meals instead of these big elaborate, you know, things. So I think it's, I don't really have the luxury of being able to spend time like hand rolling pasta anymore because, you know, I'm either <clears throat> tired from work or have to help watch the kids or have other chores to do. So, um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's a little, a little different, like a focus shift pretty much. And, you know, cooking for people at the restaurant, they're coming to me wanting to, wanting to eat the food that we cook here. So if they, oh, I hope they like it, you know, like I think the food's pretty good and I hope they like it. But like when you're cooking for your family and you want your kids to get like all this nutrition and like eat to be healthy is a little different type of pressure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is there the quick part is what I've found. And we had Andy Gonzalez on the show not too long ago, who's a chef in our Atlanta membership. And um, I kind of asked him the same thing I want to ask you is like, how do you save time when you're cooking? Like, what are the things that like, are there any tactics that us at home that are total amateurs could, could do maybe more regularly to help save time? Oh, save time. Uh, I mean, I think it's just being organized for the most part, just having, having everything laid out. Like the way I like to cook at home is, you know, chop all my stuff first. Um, and just have, have that ready to go. And I think it's just also, uh, choosing what you're going to cook. Like some things you just have to accept are going to take a long time. Um, but like, you, you know, you could make short ribs that take four hours to braise and you could put them in the oven. So it's kind of like a hands-off thing instead of keeping it on the stove where you're constantly having to stir it or whatever. Um, I cook a lot of chicken at home. So a lot of like kind of pounded out chicken breasts. So they cook in 10 minutes instead of roasting a whole chicken. So it's, you know, smaller cuts of meat, smaller vegetables always cook faster. Um, that's, yeah, that's probably the main thing. Cool. Yeah. I, I think all, all of us amateurs that are trying to like, 
you know, get things on tape. But I always have what I'm well intentioned, David, and I'm not the most organized. So now what you say makes really good sense. Uh, yeah. But I, I, uh, I say, okay, well, this is what we're going to make tonight. This is going to be great. Kids are going to love it. Becca's going to love it. And I look at the clock and it's like 7.45 and people are already losing their shit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. man, this is not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of was preparing for today. And one thing I, I think I realized is I don't – I know David and we've played good golf together. And I think you learn a lot about a person when you get to play golf with them just by watching them. It's not always conversation either. It's just – what's said, what isn't said. That's one thing I love about the game of golf. But I did just want to ask you, you know, who's David Posey, kind of young David? And, and like, where did you grow up? Where, where you know, are you from? And, and give, me, give me the basics, man, like where it all starts. Ooh, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. So uh, Arcadia, which is right next to Pasadena. Uh, so like 20 miles northeast of, of L.A., uh, lived there until I was 18 and then moved to New York to go to culinary school at the CIA and did my internship up at Evanston in Evanston when Grant Atkins was the chef at Trio before he opened Alinea. Um, so I did my internship there, went back to New York to finish up school and then, uh, came back to Chicago to, uh, work at Alinea, um, kind of continue my education with him, which at the time was getting all of the awards, like you know, best restaurant in the country, best chef in the country. Like it feels like every, like every other like Sunday we would have a glass of champagne with staff meal to like celebrate something like an accomplishment. And it was like, it was just absolutely wild. It was completely busy every day, like full. You couldn't get a table. It was like a year to get a table. Um, the team that was there was just all these chefs that are now around the country, like doing their own thing and getting their own notoriety. So it was like an amazing, amazing place. Um, so I kind of, you know, crossed that bridge and, and checked that off and had, was at a crossroads of moving to New York or moving back to California to cook. And uh, in New York, I really wanted to work at this place called WD-50. Um, or what's the spray? WD-40. So WD-50 was the restaurant. And uh, the chef, the old chef of WD-50 just moved to Chicago and worked at Blackbird. So I was like, ah, maybe I'll go work at Blackbird, see if I like his style, and then take the, take the jump to moved to New York and worked there. And then I ended up just loving Blackbird so much. And uh, I stayed there for six years. And then I was the chef for four years. So I was there for 10 years total. Um, so I kind of, you know, built a name for myself in Chicago. And then Anna and I opened Elska seven, almost seven years ago. Like, yeah, December of 2016. So, wow. Here we are. Do you say seven, seven years now? Yeah, yeah. What's, yeah, I mean, it, like if you want to count the last three years, which was like half open, half closed and to go food and, you know, three cases of mashed potatoes a day and shit. So what, what's the, what's the biggest difference between stepping out on your own and being in the contributor roles that you were at all those other restaurants? Uh, well, Blackbird, I, you know, I was fortunate enough there. They, they were very, they let me be very hands-on and they let me track the costing and they let me like see how the business operates instead of just like you make the dishes you cook the food you staff the place like they really let me see like the behind the scenes um so that kind of it helped me open this restaurant and it wasn't quite a shock like i knew what to expect i knew you know what water bills were going to be and what the electricity was going to cost and all like the fixed costs or even 
you need to have this much money in the bank in case the the plumbing goes awry. So like I, I was luckily very comfortable opening opening this restaurant. Um, so it wasn't too much of a shock, which is which is nice, and I'm you know forever grateful for it. Take me back to the times with Chef Grant, and I d- actually didn't realize that you were at Trio. I remember hearing of Trio, but I didn't know you were with Chef Grant at Trio prior to Alinea, which you know every Chicagoan knows Alinea for its global reputation. And um, what's what, 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 what's his culture like? Like, what's it like? It feels to me to deliver that level, and, and same with your restaurant. But I, I know you, so I can kind of guess about your culture. But I don't know Chef Grant. Like the reputation we all have of Linea, what's it like to work back there to be in in that? It is very intense. Um, I mean, so when when I, it's definitely changed a lot. So I could I can only speak to my experience. Uh, what was it? Two thousand six, I started working there. In two thousand three, I was I was at Trio. <clears throat> Trio was the same kind of food, so you know, very modern, very molecular, like very outside of the box. But the restaurant itself kind of was not the best. So I remember working in the pastry section and we had like literally a home stove back there with coil burners that like barely like half of the burner got hot and the other half didn't. So you're making a caramel on this half half working stove and the standards are high. The standards are as high as they could be like three Michelin star level. We didn't have that then, but that's, you know, what we were cooking for and it was, it was like very intense and it was long days. It was like, get in at 11, leave at 2 AM, um, do post-shift meetings after the shift, talk about what went right, what went wrong, place your orders. It was like very, very intense to me. Like, that's what you were doing. You had no outside life at all. <clears throat> and being, I was like 20 at the time and I was just like obsessed with it. It was, it was so great. And then seeing that experience kind of shift to Alinea, which was, more put together. The kitchen was phenomenal. You know, like these two, two lines down the center of the kitchen and you could, you had everything you needed. And it was like a professional environment with, I think there were like 15 people that worked in the kitchen doing 24 courses. Uh, it was, it was very intense and everybody held themselves to the highest standard and they expected the same thing out of you. Um, which got, you know, it's, it's good. And it's, it gets a little, a little grinding at times because you can never turn it off. You can never just go in and kind of relax. Like I would always shape, shape my week to like get all the stuff done on, we were open uh, Wednesday through Sunday. So I, Sunday would be my like easy coast day, like just get the bare minimum or like get ahead on stuff for the next week. But it was like four days of like the second you walk into, I think the address is like 1723 Halstead is the address. So the second you walk into 1723, you're sprinting. I, yeah, it was, it was intense. So, so from that background to, to going, you know, leading your own kitchen and then your own restaurant, what, what did you want to take from those days and, and those grounds? Like, what did you want to, what did you want to make sure you had as a part of your culture? And then what, what was it you wanted to do differently? Yeah, I think, you know, I think that like the, my biggest, my biggest jump was going from Alinea to Blackbird, which was much more casual. We were still doing very, very, you know, fine dining food, but we had an a la carte menu. The portions were bigger. <clears throat> the line was like, the kitchen was like a quarter the size of the kitchen at Alinea. Um, 
we listened to music at Blackbird. We, it was like dead silent at Alinea. Like people would look at you if you turned on a blender because it was too loud and you were just doing your job. Like you can't make a blender any quieter, you know, but it's like the, the expectations were like to just be a, like completely silent. So, you know, working at Alinea, I think I had a, a huge rat tail at the time and <clears throat> they were super into it there. And it was like much more of like teamwork instead of everybody kind of for themselves like doing their job, being the cog in the wheel, not to like sound terrible like that, but, but like, you know, definitely wasn't as team focused and Blackbird was like super team focused. So opening Elska is, was kind of trying to mix the two. Like, how do you create a culture where everybody's like super proud of what they're doing, but still wants the person next to them to succeed, um, which is what we're trying to do. It's kind of shifted ever uh ever since the pandemic the you know culture's changed a little bit but it's that's the ultimately the goal yeah i know how much you care about the um hospitality industry and and kitchen staff in general and and you've done um uh, through covid we talked about all the things that you're trying to do and uh one one back to golf and crossover that i that i just love is the yum yum open can you yeah, tell? I, I think it just happened. Actually, I wasn't able to be in town for it. Can you talk about like what is the Yum Yum Open? Why you started it? Yeah, uh, Yum Yum is a, a golf charity outing that I host with a couple of my friends. Uh, it started because uh, what when I got back into golf, which was when we were opening the restaurant, I needed something to do uh, to kind of fill the days while you're waiting. Sorry, there's a fire truck going by. Um, Miss those sirens, man. I'm an Ohioan now. I don't get, I don't get the city. You don't get, you don't get that. Nothing happens in Ohio. <laughs> uh, it's, so I picked up golf and like, I would post about it on Instagram and a lot of my chef buddies or cooks or bartenders or whatever, they'd always say like, Hey, we should go play golf together. And I think at this point I had like 75 people say that to me and nothing was ever happening with it. And so I just got, I got tired of hearing it and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play golf with every single one of these people and I'm going to host a tournament and it's going to go towards a charity. And we've always done the first tee of greater Chicago, which is something I believe in It's getting, you know, kids on the course. Um, so it's, it's a golf tournament for the restaurant industry, hospitality industry. So any, any facet of people can come. Um, and we just spend a day golfing. Yeah. We had it. It was like a month ago at this point at sunset Valley up in Highland park. I love, I love it. Cause it's, uh, and, and you're one of the earliest members of new club too. And so when we started this thing, you know, our little golf club, I wasn't sure what we'd get from a member makeup, but the, the hospitality industry, the restaurant business, so many of our members are, are, are in it. And I think that's where a lot of my interest in it, I'm not a foodie by any means, but I think a lot of my interest in it just comes from the people that I've met. And they're some of my favorite people and they all love golf. What, what do you think it is about the, the mindset of people who work in, restaurants and hospitality that also make them a good candidate for this crazy game of golf. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that on the, on my driving to work today. I think, I think cooking and golf are such a personal thing where it's, it's your cooking, whatever you're cooking and you're playing your own game against the course or whoever you're playing it. Like it's not really reliant on <clears throat> other things. I mean, obviously like, you know, outside elements take, take a part, but, it's, it is just a very personal thing where you're doing the activity. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's, it's individually focused, but it, uh, relies on others for a bunch of reasons. 
Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And it's just damn hard. I feel like your guy's job is just hard. And I, maybe that's just my perception, but I like working long hours, the the nights that everybody else is socializing, you guys are grinding away. Like in golf yeah. is is the same. Is that a fair comparison, you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. What about the mastery of each? Do you, do you see, I mean, you, my friend, and I'll, I'll compliment your golf game for a second time on this episode, but your, your short game is, is phenomenal. I love the speed at which you roll putts. I think like the excel, your, your putter, it's almost Cam Smith X esque. Yeah. Uh, it's seriously like, like the, the, the acceleration is so consistent and smooth. And I have to imagine that just comes from years of these digits, just, just chopping yeah. away and, and, yep. you know, sprinkling seasoning just perfectly. Is that, yeah. uh, is there a crossover there with the short game? You know, I think there is a, there, when I was an intern at trio, um, they would kind of pop me around. So I'd work meat for, for like a month and then I'd work fish for a month and, whatever. And I got put with one of the sous chefs. Uh, his name was John Peters and Grant came up to me and was like, okay, this week you're going to work with John. He's going to teach you how to turn your, your, uh, God, what did he say? He's going to, he's going to turn your feet that are hands into actual hands and use your, like teach you how to use your fingers. So it's like everything, the little delicate stuff. And so like, you know, not smashing quail eggs and like, you know, like learning how to actually use, use, the digits and, and whatnot. It's, it's yeah, kind of a funny, funny thing. And I think it translates to golf. Cause I, I have some pretty soft hands. It's, it's supple. It's, it's beautiful. I love it. You're good with a wedge. I mean, um, and, and, and you're a big man too. Like you're not a little guy that uh, you would expect yeah. Like you can, you can hit a golf ball, but I'm always impressed by, by your short game. Um, I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'm curious, when did you start playing the game of golf? I know your dad's a massive golfer, um, but yeah, when did, I play, you, uh, I, when did you start playing my dad? Um, and I would play when I was like 12, 13 and I played for maybe four years, never really seriously. It was just kind of a thing to do on the weekends. Um, I would play this little par three course every week with a bunch of families. And then when I went to culinary school, I dropped it. And then I got back into it when we were opening the restaurant and it was just like a, a way to kill time and something to do. And then I, got a couple of really good friends and we'd go golfing. And then, you know, you have those rounds where you play a little better than you're expecting. So the bug like got real in, I got really into it. Um, and I started, you know, finding out through new club mostly is like golf architecture and the history of, of all these different things. And it's just like, it's, uh, it's, it's deep in there. So. It's, it's, it's endless, probably another, uh, parallel to your profession where you can kind of, yeah the, like the mastery of it or the, the different components of it, you can geek out on yeah. any of them and spend yeah. years, like literally yeah. years and not know everything. Yeah. It's, it's such a vast, both are such like a vast world. And as even if you choose to like specialize in one thing, you're never, you're going to get good at it, but you're never going to know everything. I guess that's everything in life, but you know, it's yeah, the, the parallels are the same. What do you use? Uh, what, what's golf for you now? Like, I, I, where does it kind of fit in your life? I mean, there's, you're a busy, busy guy running the restaurant, run, run a family. What, where does golf kind of fit in? What does it mean? What, what is it for you? What does it do for you? Uh, now it's an escape. Uh, so it's, you know, lets me focus on the golf course and be present there. So I don't really worry about what I have to do or what happened last week or, 
or whatever. So it's like a, a mental break for me, um, <clears throat> which, you know, is also the downside. Like some days I, I can't get into to it, so I don't play very well and that's frustrating and it feels like a, a wasted round. Um, but you know, it's, it's just like a way, a way to unwind. It's a way to get outside and, and get some exercise and have a walk and then, you know, hang out with buds. Um, yeah. If you ever, nah, if we're ever playing a match and you want to get under my skin, ask about work. And that is like <laughs> immediate takedown zone. Uh, although I've gotten better at it. So it's not, it doesn't work all the time. So I, I asked you about young David, the golfer, and when you started playing. Um, but what about young David, the chef? Like, when did you know that this is the route you wanted to go? Uh, man, I, I, I'm lucky to know that I wanted to be in this field for uh, since I was like 14. Um, I was not the best in school. <clears throat> uh, my mom would teach me how to make stuff like mostly, you know, scrambled eggs or stuff to, to like make snacks when I, uh, when I got home and it just bit me and I like enjoyed doing that. I would look forward to doing that when I got home from school more obviously than homework. Nobody likes homework, but, um, I just loved it. And then, uh, I found myself in the cookbook section one, one time at a, at a bookstore and I like picked up a couple books and, you know, just loved them. My mom kind of saw this spark in me, got me a job at a restaurant in Pasadena. Um, so I, I would get home from high school, go to this restaurant. It was called Haley. Uh, it's since closed, but I go to Haley, uh, and they'd put me on, I'd be in the dish pit doing dishes and I'd do salads. And then I think the salad station was two other guys. And then I would, I would like help out if, you know, they wanted to do something else. And slowly, like one day I got fired. So I was in the salad station more. So it was me and this one other guy and I was doing less dishes. And then another day they hired a, a dishwasher and they fired the other salad guy. So I was like on salads myself, just as like a high school kid, didn't have any training other than working in this restaurant. And the two guys that got fired went to culinary school. So like, I was like, you know, I, th I think I'm, I'm doing okay. If I'm getting other, other guys are getting fired and I'm taking their spot. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. And then people, you know, they, somebody brought in the French laundry cookbook and I looked at that and like people would give me New York times clippings and somebody like gave me a clipping about this restaurant in Spain called El Bulli. That was like the number one forever. And like, you know, it was before the internet. So you couldn't really go and search whatever you wanted. So you'd have to like look for these things. And I just like would gather all this information and then it just like bit me super hard when I saw what you could do with food and then using your hands and like being crafty and it's just like the craft and the art of it mixed together. Just, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. You've, you've, uh, so much experience, so many accolades, right? Like I didn't know honestly how big of a deal you were Mr. Chef Posey here. Uh, when I first got to know you, which I, I, I think that's better. Most of us shouldn't know each other's professions when we get yeah. to know people. Like you get, I feel like you get to know people better that way, you know, yeah. without having like a, a title of being cook or a title of being accountant, whatever. But, um, but the, 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 the meal that me and my wife had our last meal in Chicago was at Elska and she still regards it as the greatest meal she's ever had. Um, I, 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 I'm too critical to say that David, but she says it all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. 
uh, seriously, and and it, it it was just fantastic. It, um, what you guys do, you do it with so much warmth and care and attention. Um, I it's it's like it resonates. It feels. I mean, I've talked to people that don't know you at all or, or have reference to new club and, and golf and, and they go to your place and they just feel the exact same way. So I'm not saying anything re- re- revelation here, but I was curious as I was thinking about this, the accolades, the public, uh, admiration for, you know, Michelin stars and, and the awards you've won. How, how much does that play into your, your approach? Because I, I heard you say at the top, like you said, I hope people like it. <laughs> you know, I, I hope they do, but if, if people don't like, is it, is it, is it really, that's gotta be a really tough ch- part of the profession, right? Cause it, the success does rely on that, does rely on, on people's experience, right? So h- how do you balance that with still, you know, treating your craft and your mastery the way that I know you approach it with public opinion and critics and, and awards and stuff? Is that a really tough balance? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think the important thing that we tried to focus on ever since the beginning of the restaurant is just doing what we felt was right, like doing what is feels good in your heart and not worrying about what the critics are going to say and not worrying about what what people are going to say, not cooking for Michelin stars, just cooking for ourselves and what we're proud of doing and making it feel genuine. And I think if you're able to do that and it feels like it, you know, a wholehearted experience, then people will gravitate towards you, which, you know, ended up working and we did get all these accolades and, and stuff. So I, I think like the biggest thing when we'd have these meetings or we'd be making these decisions, it was never, never, ever crossed. Like, well, people would want us to do this. It was like, what do we, Anna and I and Kyle, our general manager at the time that helped us build the restaurant, like, what do we think is the right thing to do? And then just kind of hope that it is the right thing to do and hope that people are into it and, and like it. Um, so I, th- I think that's maybe why we're successful. Uh, you know, a, a lot of hard work went into it, a lot of luck. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to create a genuine experience. I, I got to ask you about uh, the bear yeah, before yeah. we get done. I mean, it's talk, talk about success. This show is one of the most, I think it's, I think I read it was the most, one of the most successful in the history of FX and uh, streaming and, and it, it's, uh, documents the the restaurant industry in Chicago specifically, right? It, it, that's the backdrop is is all Chicago and uh, just a beautifully well done show. I mean, probably my favorite show I watched in in twenty two twenty three. Like, just captivating. I found it captivating emotionally, captivating. Uh, but it made your hands famous. So, <laughs> tell tell us about your bear experience. Yeah, uh, you know Maddie, who plays Fac on the show. Um, he was a consultant on it. Um, so they, they needed him to film a scene or they needed the chef to film a scene. And uh, the guy that plays Carm is, you know, they, he did some culinary training, but I don't think his skills are really up to, up to par. Um, so Maddie couldn't do the scene because he had too many tattoos. So he sent me a text because we're buds. And he asked to see a photo of my hands. And so I sent him a photo of my hands, which was really weird. And then he's like, you want to do some some handwork on this show that we're doing? And this was just for the pilots. We had no idea what it was. Um, so I said, yeah, sure, of course. And, you know, it was a, a paid thing. So I went in and they shaved my arms and put all these temporary tattoos on. And I had a whole, like, 
know, 20 people in a room and a couple cameras and they wanted me to just chop Mirepoix really fast because that's where the scene was going. And I think it was like, they ended up being the commercial is like a guy chopping vegetables really fast and it's not sped up. <laughs> that's how, how fast it worked. But uh, so like that's, that worked into it. And then the show got picked up. Um, so they asked me to, to do a lot of consulting. So like pretty much the first season, if it was cooked or being cooked, I was the guy that cooked it. So I'd sit in a warehouse in Cinespace on the South side, which is like 18th and Ashland. And they'd ask for a couple chicken piccata. I would break down a chicken, pound it out, you know, coat it, cook it, make the sauce and send it to this, the stage. And then the actors would work with it. Um, and then they would, you know, off be kind of like ask for advice. Like how would, how would guys unwind on a, on a Saturday night after a busy shift? Like, and they really did a very good job with all the little details, like sitting in the alley, drinking out of, out of a quart container instead of a, you know, a water bottle or whatever. It's, they really nailed it. So I kind of built a relationship with them. And then uh, a couple of the actors staged at Elska to kind of see how a fine dining restaurant works and, you know, kind of get comfortable in that space so they could act it out. Um, and then the second season, you know, they asked to film at Elska a couple scenes. So we had a whole crew here and they were like, 50 people filming here um and they asked me if i wanted to do a scene which was kind of wild and and stuff we also did all the food there's one if you remember the scene where joel McHale is he he's like the big the big boss he's supposed to play like the best chef in the world or whatever and he goes up and he pretty much tells carmy to quit or whatever all the food in that episode that those were our dishes at elska but in a different restaurant so they filmed them uh, so yeah, I've, I've done quite a bit with the show, which was a lot of fun. I know you, I mean, it had to have been, I've heard from multiple people that work in restaurants that it was the most authentic display of what happens and the, the emotions of, of that lifestyle. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you haven't a hand in that. You gotta be pretty proud of that. That it's like the authentic re representation of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, when I watched, I think it was like the last two or three episodes of the, the, second season i had work nightmares that night it like really it, it was like triggering and i haven't had work nightmares in a long time um so they they like really really captured it that that is like that is what it's like you know i i try to not have it be like that in my restaurant like not that chaotic and stuff but it's definitely a big you know a big portion of what the industry is like that scene when they're opening and and the ticket machine just keeps going and going and going. Yeah. I, I imagine that's nightmare food, nightmare yeah. fuel for a chef. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that and then when you got your scene in it, I'll ask the call out. Cause I was watching it and I think someone mentioned, you know, did you hear Posey's in the bear? And I was like, yeah, I come on, give it the times. His hands are all over it. It's in the promo. You know, I see, I see David in it all the time, but then when you're actually playing yourself, in the role where his sous chef is is trying new dishes, and I believe that's in your kitchen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. It was in Elska. Yeah, and and you walk in and you have a line. Are yeah. you part of like a Hollywood elite now that you you have a line. You actually have a speaking role in a, the most popular you know <laughs> uh, TV show of 2023. Is that anything? Any, any uh, perks come with that? Uh, <laughs> when I did it. And the, sh the show came out, one of my, the people that I work with here, you're like, I wonder if you have an IMDB page. And they looked it up and I have a fucking IMDB page, <laughs> which, is, which is like, I didn't set it up. I don't know. It's, uh, it's kind of wild. 
Is there is there now a competition between David Posey and David Posey's hands on IMDb? Which one gets better? <laughs> I think the the only things on there are the bear, and then uh, when we did our episode of uh, Munchie Chef's Night Out, where we like went around Chicago and ate, like those are the two things on my IMDb page. <laughs> Uh, talk about Chicago a, a little bit from a um, cultural standpoint of food. I, I think it, it's, you know, living there for 15 years, I got out a little bit, but I really wasn't appreciative of the culinary history of Chicago and like the pedigree of great restaurants until very late in my time there, which is kind of unfortunate, but I was also, oh, whatever. That's just how life works, I guess, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, um, so t- like, wh- what does it mean to be, you know, one of the restaurants in that ecosystem of Chicago? Like, is it um, competitive? Is it, is it uh, just celebrated? Like, what, what, what's it all like? Uh, I think sh- Chicago, you know, is, is definitely a top tier food city. I, I could easily make the argument that it's the best food city in the country. Um, and, and, you know, the, there's a lot of camaraderie. There's a lot of there's competition and everybody there's competition, but everybody wants to see everybody else succeed. So it's not like a cutthroat competition. There's no malicious behavior, at least from what I've seen. Um, and everybody is very supportive and, and they root for each other. And, uh, it, it is a, a great food town. And I think it's kind of like a, like a, a team thing where we want the, the city to be the best it can be. And so we work together and, and try to try to grow together instead of, you know, not harm each other, like is a, a extreme way to put it, but like we want to see other people succeed and not fail. So I think that's kind of what separates us from what I've seen in other cities. For sure. Yeah. Mid, that's just Midwest, baby. That's yeah, just, yeah, that's yeah. just us, just Midwest, yep. polite and kind. Uh, Favorite golf courses in Chicago? I know one of them because we both loved it enough to join. We're at Beverly Country Club. Um, yeah. What are some others that just speak to you in Chicago land that you look forward to playing? Oof. Um, I mean, Be- Beverly's number one. Uh, the, the amount of golf that we have in Chicago is just insane. I wish there were more, like, a lot of the my favorite courses are private courses which is kind of unfortunate, but, um, God, where, where have I played? I played Indian Hill and I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, if you've ever been there, that's, you know, where the Murray brothers worked and the, the basis of, uh, Caddyshack. That was a, that was a fun time. Um, I think Exmoor is really good. I've played Conway Farms quite a few times this year. Uh, public courses. I mean, Sunset Valley in, in Highland Park is, is great. Uh, which I know is, on the app all the time. It's just, uh, there's too, too many to list. And the, the wide variety that we have here is, is, is pretty great too. The Linksy style. And then we have like the parkland style. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. It took me to get out of Chicago to kind of fully and, and both like living there and traveling to fully appreciate the golf scene in Chicago for a short season city to have that much, great private and public golf. Like (laughs) Chicago is no slouch in the public category. If you think Chicago's public golf, 
is any good, you got to get out there more because it's really good actually. Um, and there's tons of park districts that are willing to invest in, in, uh, municipalities that are willing to invest. And so like, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny. Like my perspective when I was first living there was, yeah, we go off in Chicago. It's okay. You know, like, okay, I guess I'll play. But now like after being able to travel and go see places, I'm like, no, this is really stinking good. Yeah. Uh, some courses need better pace of play for sure, but yeah. uh, there's a lot of good stuff all around. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, David, I know we had some uh, tech challenges at the top of this and you're a busy man and you got to get ready for a busy Friday night. So I just wanted to thank you sincerely for being on the show yeah. with us um, and hosting our, our winter formal. It's a tradition that we kind of got started with, weren't sure what it was going to do. And I think last year, our experience at Elska was the the cementing thing of like, nope, this is it. Like you got to have a year end celebration, you know, yeah. that's not on the golf course. Get everybody that won things, didn't win things, uh, played in matches, get them all together and, and have a good night. So we're super excited to be, uh, to be with you guys on November 16th. Anything we can expect? Is the menu set? Have you decided? Do you do that? No, still still working on it. I I think chicken nuggets are probably going to make an appearance at some some point. <laughs> they're they're I've you know, been dialing it in every time I I try to try to tweak it a little bit and get it uh, you know, to be like the king of chicken nuggets, which is McDonald's right down the street from me. So it's the hamburger university is like a strong throw. It's a, it's an easy drive, like a driver, you know, maybe a driver and a wedge, but smooth, smooth, smooth driver. Yeah, yeah. These, these chicken nuggets, I'll tell a quick story before you go. My wife, we're sitting there at our, our closing dinner for ourselves uh, in, in Chicago land. We literally moved the next morning. Um, but, uh, David had many courses, beautiful meal, uh, the pastries, shout out to your wife, Anna, probably stole the show past your handiwork, sir. Um, yeah. Not that there were other chefs involved in the back, but you know what I'm saying? It was the pastries are like, wow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you brought up this, these chicken nuggets and my wife looked at me and she's like, do all your friends know that you're a six-year-old? Like that, that you just behave and desire things that a child would. And I'm like, no, no, no. These are, these are like crazy good. T- tell us what are those in the chicken nuggets? How do you make them? Uh, so it's just like a, ch- a chicken mousse, uh, some chicken thighs and some eggs and cream. And then we roll it into a roulade and then poach them and then uh, cut them and then freeze them and then coat them in a, it's a egg whites and cornstarch and a little vodka for liquid because it evaporates quick. So it makes it really crispy. And then we deep fry them. Um, and then I season them with a little bit of toasted dried yeast actually to make it like very savory. Uh, and then we serve them with a sweet and sour sauce that I like legitimately try to copy McDonald's sweet and sour sauce. So the, the base is apricot jam actually. And then there's some ginger and garlic and a little soy sauce. Um, we use tamari to keep it gluten-free and then thicken with cornstarch and it's nice and glossy and sweet and sour. And you know, it's easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to be making those for the little ones anytime soon, but they are, Melt in your mouth, 
delicious, mind-blowingly good. So if, if they're on the menu, I'm going to be happy. I'm sure others will as well. But uh, yeah. anything you put out, man, it's just it's just fun to uh, to support you in, in the restaurant and all the fine people you have working for you and as, as well as you support New Club, man. It's always so uh, appreciated. Your friendship's appreciated. You're just such a good dude. And uh, I'm glad the game of golf has a nice firm grip on you as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, great, great to be a part of it. So. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on. Uh, we'll, we'll be catching up with you real soon. Yeah, sounds good.